everybody as well. Praise God. Well, sorry about that glitch. Uh, I believe we managed to sort it out. Well, tonight is a very special night. One, because of what the Spirit of God has been communicating to me while waiting on him today last night we touched on activation of the covenant of wealth and I believe the spirit of God is going to uh, forgive this okay uh, it's not uh, prescription glasses it's just blue light glasses to filter out the light that's coming through uh, these several lights here so I hope it doesn't distract you okay as I was saying on activation of the covenant of wealth and I say tonight is a special night because the Spirit of God has something special to accomplish in our lives so we spoke about a word and that it means to produce, to fashion, to construct. And we say that that producing power or the ability to do something comes from the instruction of the Lord. And we said, the Lord will not do in our lives until we learn to become obedient in poyeobing His commands. The miracle factor, the power element, supernatural element in our lives only come into play once we have fulfilled our poeming of what the Lord has requested or demanded from us so it's important we understand our role in the manifestations of God 
promises and the word. And like Mary said, whatever the Lord demands from us means we have the ability to poyeo it, to do it. So when we do what he says, we receive what he promises. Because God's word always have consequences either constructive or destructive. There are always consequences to receiving God's word. So the promises of God only manifest once the poeoving part, the doing part from man's side is accomplished, then the miracle supernatural element comes into play. So this is the breach from God's promises remaining in the unseen dimension and finerowing or coming into manifestation. There has to be the element of poyeoi. So the Lord tonight is going to do something. He's going to poyeo something. But we must fulfill our part, our responsibility. Hallelujah. I'm excited in my spirit. I'm expectant in my spirit because the Lord has revealed the secret. Are you ready? Tonight, there's going to be an activation. Are you listening to me? There's going to be an activation. Someone tonight, tonight, will be activated for wealth. Yes, someone tonight will be activated for wealth. 
walking with me. Ha <laughs> ha And I hope you can tell by my tone that something, something is going to break forth for somebody Let's read verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds, that's the word there, uh, aeons, which is a key to the Hebrew word olam. So the worlds were framed by the word of God. I want you to read that out, okay? Please, just read, read that out to yourself. By faith, I understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And I said there, the word worlds refers to aeons, which refers to an age or eternity or time in perpetuity, uh, perpetuality, sorry. And he said, this is by the construct of the word. So time begins and ends and continues when God speaks. So the reason why there's time is because God has spoken. So time is the proof or the evidence of the word of God. I know what I'm saying to you sounds deep and complicated, but really it's not. God lives in a dimension outside time. Right? And we call that eternity. But even in that dimension, there is some form or way in which time is measured. But when it comes to the worlds, to the aeons, he said they are set in place, created, made. Now, worlds here is not making reference to heaven and earth and it's not making reference to planets because some people when they read here say there are many worlds 
There are many planets. Therefore, there must be many planets. But no, look at the word. The word is not talking about planets. The world is not talking about the earth. That word is talking about an age. It's talking about a dispensation. It's talking about time, a generation, time. And we know generations, ages are measured in time. Are you following me? So the metric of a generation, how a generation is measured, is by time and also by the activities that are arranged to take place within that dispensation. So the worlds or time in perpetuality is evidence of the word of God. So when they ask, how can we tell that the world, or the word rather, is still in control? Is time moving? That's how you know that the word still has its impact and effect here. Because time is moving. He says the worlds were framed. So the word of God frames times. Catatizos times, makes times, creates times, forms times for the purpose of the manifestation of that word. So in every world, there must be a word that is manifested. In our world, that word was Jesus. In Israel's world, in Israel's age, dispensation, that word was Moses. So in every dispensation of time, there is the governance of the word and that word which must manifest in that time. So the aeon or the existence of every aeon depends on the word. So the word of God operates or uh, fulfills his dealings in an age and he measures the dealings or the fulfillment of that word in time. So an age may last a hundred years depending on how long it takes for that word to come to pass. Follow me. So, an age may last a day because the word took a day to what? To manifest or to be fulfilled. That's what God means when he says, the word which comes forth out of my mouth will not return void, but will accomplish what I sent it to do. So, he gives the word which comes out of his mouth a time frame, which is called an aeon. For it to fulfill, to frame, to mend, to create, to fix, to form in that age, its authority, its dominion, its kingship. So, the worlds, I know you never heard this. <laughs> so, the word is responsible for the creation of the ages, but also for its manifestation or it becoming flesh in that age.
So you don't measure age by time. You measure an age by the fulfillment of a word. Why did not Jesus come a hundred years after Adam fell? Why did he come 6,000 years later? I mean 4,000 years later. It is because of the age. So the coming of Jesus was framed by the word to take place in the fourth millennium from the death of Adam. Remember, an age, follow me please, an age, this thing is distracting me, an age is measured in heaven as a day. So he says, I mean a millennium, a millennium, sorry, a millennium is measured in heaven as a day. So Jesus must come after three days of the death of Adam, which is the fourth day. So Jesus dies for three days. Why did Jesus die for three days? Why was he buried for three days? Have you ever asked yourself, why did the Lord die three days? Why not two days? He said, after three days, I will rise again. It is because the day was resembling the day in which he came. So the third day, it's 3,000 years. The fourth day. So Jesus resurrected on the fourth day, which denotes the beginning of a new age. That means that from that day, for another three days, follow me, for another three days, the, the age of the spirit would be enacted. Where for that three days, everybody will come and leave and show forth the first fruits, the foretaste of the powers of the age to come. Because the seventh day is coming, which denotes the Sabbath of God, where we enter into rest. That's why in that day, a thousand years, there will be no death. There will be no fighting. There will be no wars. It will be peace for a thousand years. So Jesus comes three days. Hosea. Hosea. Hosea chapter 6. Verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. Let us know. Oh, verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we might live in his sight. So prophetically, he is talking about the age in which we are living. So we will live, the church of Jesus, will live two ages. Some of you think that the seventh day is actually the millennium. No, the seventh day is not the millennium. The seventh day is the new heaven and the new earth. 
So the church age is 2,000 years, which is two days in heaven's calendar. And within that two days, there is a rima word that must be fulfilled. So he says, he will revive us after two days. And then he says, on the third day, he will raise us up. The third day is the millennium. But the seventh day is the new heaven and the new earth. So the age of the Holy Spirit, the age of the church is 2,000 years. So God gave the Gentiles two days to accept Christ Jesus. After two days, the door of the Gentiles will be closed. So the Bible talks about the time. Okay, Acts chapter 1. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this, will you at this time, Restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive. So they were asking, Now that you are raised from the dead, are you going to restore Israel? The kingdom to Israel? He says, It's not for you to know that. That means that time has been concealed in the authority of the Father. That means that word has not yet been released. The things which are revealed belong to us and our children. But the things which are concealed, which are secrets, belong to the Lord. What are things which are a are, are, are secret? that belong to the Lord are things which is not spoken. So the timeline of creation is measured by the fulfillment or the framing or the time it takes for the rhema to frame that aeon. So he says, let's go back there. By faith, we understand that the aeons were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. He's saying that this is so because you have to understand that what is seen comes from what is not seen. So, time is ruled by eternity. Time is ruled by the word of God, who is the source of both eternity and time. Now, when we come into the subject of time, we, we begin to speak about Kronos. And we begin to speak about Kairos. Kronos is the arrangement of time. 
the process of time. It's the chronological movement of time. Whereas Kairos refers to a set time. In other words, within Kronos, there are demarcations of times and seasons where there are intended fulfillments of Rima that must take place. So, Kairos is the interjection of divine time. Is the invasion of normal time by the divine timings of God. So, Kairos or Kairos time is appropriated by the Rima of God. That's why there was 400 years to elapse Kronos. But after 400 years, Kairos, they will be delivered. So within the process of time, the movement of time, there was the set time for the word to be fulfilled. There was the set time. Can a nation be born in a day? And the Spirit of God wants me to ask you, can wealth, prosperity, riches be bequeathed to my people in a day? The Lord said, I have heard you in an acceptable time, in a kairos time, in the set time, in the appointed season. So the kairos movement of time is the appointments of God is the appointments of the rhema to become flesh. So that the things which are seen were not made from things which are visible. It is so that we can understand it. Because it's difficult for you and me to, not for me, okay, <laughs> maybe for you. <laughs> it's difficult for you, maybe, to understand how something solid could exist from something immaterial. He says, look at time. Look at, time is spiritual. Even though we can have a, a mechanical way of measuring time, it is spiritual. You don't see it, you don't feel it. But it is progressive. He says, time is the proof that the Rima word controls the seen world. And within that time, there are appointed times for manifestation. And tonight is the appointed time. Tonight. Not tomorrow. Tonight. As soon as Zion prevailed, she gave birth. As soon as it, the Spirit of God actually
Let me not leave Ezekiel hanging. He, he's been waiting for me for a few hours now. As soon as Zion prevailed, she gave birth. As soon as Zion prevailed, she gave You are going to give birth. You know, the Spirit of God says, the time for manifestation is overdue. You've been carrying it for too long. What I'm going to do tonight is induce labor. The Spirit is going to induce labor because of His mercy. He's going to induce you into wealth. You know, I'm suppressing what I'm what's going on inside me so, so that I can communicate this thing otherwise I'll have to close the service Ezekiel he that has an ear let him hear. Let him hear what you see. It is, it is fallacy. It is a crime, a spiritual crime, for preachers to preach the word and there be no manifestation. It is a crime for the word of God to come out and there not be power following it. It's a crime. Because God's word is, practi uh, 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 is, is, is practical and practicable. But tonight, there's no crime of that sort that will take place. There's no... <laughs> Ezekiel 37. So he answered, Oh Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. Talk to them. You know, when you walk with God, you begin to understand that everything he created has the intelligence to hear his frequency. <laughs> Everything, everything God created has the intelligence to hear and respond to his frequency, to his voice, to his word. 
when you walk with him, that's what you begin to realize. That things around me can hear me. He says, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy. Speak. Speak to these bones. Do what? Do what? Do what? Speak. Prophesy. To prophesy means to speak with God's authority. It means to speak with God's frequency. It means to speak as though you are God. The one who prophesied is heard by the object as though it is God. So he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them. So when you prophesy, you must say. You can't prophesy and think. He said, prophesy and say. Prophesy and say to them. Not of them, to them. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word. I told you last week. I told you, not last week, yesterday, that it is your responsibility to do the speaking, the doing. In this case, the doing is the speaking. Because it came from a command. To Saul, the doing is the killing. To Ezekiel, the doing in this regard is the speaking, is the prophesying. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. You would think, since God was with him, he'd be the one that's doing the talking to the bones. <clears throat> he says, I command you speak. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall leave. I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall leave. It is then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as, not after, as I prophesied, there was a noise. As I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and bones came together to bones. What happened? The bones were responding to the frequency of God. And without them having ears, they moved accordingly. The Bible says there was a rattling. 
that, that place was a valley of dry bones, a rendezvous of dry bones. Probably the leg that belonged or the, 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 the skeletal structure of a leg that belonged to a certain bone was on the other side. He says there was a rattling and bone returned to bone. What does that mean? That in the construction or the reconstruction of a life, prophecy is integral for bringing things together as they supposed to be, as they were meant to be. So no matter how messed up your life may be, God can bring into alignment in your season the thing that's supposed to be irrespective of how long that thing has been dead or how long it has been misplaced or out of alignment. God can bring it into alignment. Through the power of prophecy. <laughs> Suddenly there was a noise and there was a rattling and bone kegli trotosai fratayla came together bone to bone. The finger didn't go where the toe should be. So that means that there is, that means that to every bone, there's a spiritual mark, a spiritual signature, so that a bone knows where it should go. What am I telling you? The bone is your wealth. The bone is your prosperity. At the current moment, it is, it is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. But it knows its address. It knows where it should go. It knows where it belongs. It belongs with you. And at the sound, of the prophecy of the prophet of God. He says there will be a noise. The noise as I talk is beginning. Then he says there will be a rattling. Then after gay bone will come together bone to bone, bone to bone. What the anointing of God's spirit is going to do today is that it's going to bring the wealth that comes or that has gone afar, that has run and grew wings and ran from you because of your misalignment to God. But because the rhema word of God is coming to you, that word, that prosperity, those riches, those blessings, that inheritance is coming from wherever it is to localize in your space. We are not just teachers or preachers. We are ministers. We bring into your life what we speak. Because what we speak comes from the God of heaven and earth.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 9. And he also said to me, Prophesy to the breath. The word that shouldn't be breath. You see, the translators were afraid. So, they, they just just went a step lower from what they should have said. Because what they should have said is prophesy to the spirit. Prophesy to the ruah, to the spirit. So the spirit of God is prophesiable. Did you hear what I just said to you? The Holy Ghost is prophesiable. That means a, a man under the influence of God can prophesy to the Holy Spirit. What is prophesying? Prophesying is speaking in consent to the purposes and the mind of God. So the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the Spirit. Because the word Spirit there is what? Ruah. Remember, it is the Spirit of God that gives life. So the light that was going to come to these boats was the Spirit. So he says, prophesy to the Spirit. Son of man, and say to the Spirit. Say to the Spirit. Say to the Spirit. Thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O Spirit, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Come from the four winds. So the Spirit, the Messiah, in the four winds. And he was going to be carried to that location by the four winds. What are the four winds? Okay, no, 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 don't want to go. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and spirit came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, and an exceedingly great army. Guess what? Guess what that word army is? Guess what that, one, uh, that, that word army is? Ayil, wealth. He says they were an exceedingly Great wealth. No, go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Quickly. Verse 18. So, who brought, who brought, who brought, who brought the army to life? The breath. Who brought the army to life? Are we there? Read, read there. You shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that gives you power to get a heal. The word 
For wealth there is aiel. Aiel is the same Hebrew word translated as army. So he says the breath is responsible for reviving the army. There were bones when they were being prophesied to. But when the spirit came, there were an army. The spirit, prophesy to the spirit. Prophesy to the spirit. It is the four winds that's going to bring the aeel. And suddenly a south wind blew a great number of quails. And they landed in the camp. An exceedingly great army. An exceedingly great army. The wealth is coming. An exceedingly great army. Exceedingly great wealth. In not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. By my spirit, says the Lord. Glory to God. An exceedingly great army. Because of the spirit. Because of the spirit. Can we read? Can we get into what I want to do tonight? Genesis chapter 1. How many days did it take for the Lord to finish his work in the earth? Yeah? Six. How many days did it take for God to create the heavens and the earth? How many days? You may ask here in the studio. How many days? How many days? When God created the heavens and the earth, did they materialize? Yeah? It took him one day. So when he created the heavens and the earth, they materialized. There was no delay. Was there a delay? There was not. Please hold that in your mind, okay? Read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void 
and darkness was no and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the deep did you see that he was moving over the face of the deep the spirit of god then god said let there be light and there was light and god saw the light where did he see the light Where did God see the light? Hmm? And God looked upon the light. So did you look upon the light with his eyes? Yeah? Yes. Yes. So God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from darkness right then let's read verse 31 then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good prosperous so he saw, he looked upon everything he had made. And remember, this work was done where? In the earth. So it took him one day to create heaven and earth. But it took him six days to recreate the earth. You see, this is God's second work in the earth initially when god created the heavens and the earth when he created the heavens and the earth it took him one day yes with all the hosts in them it took him one day now remember what i read you in ephesians how what is seen was not made from what is visible that means when he speaks, creation takes place. So there is no delay between the speaking of God and the materialization when he has nothing that is responsible for that fulfillment. So when he, except him. So when he says, let there be stars, it can't take forever no it's an immediate thing because there's there's no other factor he is the cause he's the subject of this creation you understand what i'm saying you understand what i'm saying so it took god one day to create the heavens and the earth one day and all their hosts one day that is before the fall of Satan. But afterward, when God 
was refurnishing the earth, it took six days. So why? Because it looks, it seems, and logically, the more tougher job is the creation of the heavens and the earth. He did them all in one sequence. But when it comes to the reconstruction of the earth, he does it in six days. Is that intentional? Yes. Why is it intentional? For the purpose of revelation. Anyways. It's fine. Verse 1, chapter 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Do you see that? The heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work. This means that there's something, and this is something I will not get into now, but I just want to leave it out there for you. That while God was doing work on earth, parapasho, parallel, he was doing work in the heavens. Because remember, Satan occupied a part in the heavens. And that part which he left also needed refurnishing. It also needed work. But the Bible is not keen to reveal to us what was taking place in the six days of the reparations of those heavens that Satan occupied. I said I will not get into them. But it was happening parapasho. But the Lord does not reveal to us the heaven side, only the earth side. Why? Because of man. Uh, don't worry. One day. Verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Are you following it? So seven days, God rested. Six days, he had done everything. So question is, when he created the first time, the heavens and the earth, you said, that he did it in a day. Was it in a day? And the answer would be emphatically yes. After a day, it was all done. Right? But in this regard, it was six days. And in six days, the Bible says the work was ended. Follow me, please. Because I want to explain something that's been a matter of confusion in the body of Christ. This, this thing has been a matter of confusion. 
Because God's processes or God's process of creation is instantaneous. It is not delayed. Remember, God is not subject to the laws of nature or physical laws. He created them. Are you following me? He created them. The physical and the spiritual are both offsprings of God. So, if God wants to materialize something, he does not need to bend to the laws that he created. Because the Bible tells us that when he speaks, it is created. Are you following me? Remember when I told you how God works with aeons in fulfillment of his word. Now the aeon was a day in that regard. That means when he had done creating this, the Bible says, then the evening and the morning were the first day. You understand? So he had done his work in six days. So everything you see in Genesis chapter 1 was done in six days. It was done in six days. There was no other work after six days. Are you following me? Are you following me? Follow me, please. Then God blessed the seventh day, verse 3, and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which he created and made. He rested on the seventh day. Right? Now, on which day was Adam created? Which day? The sixth day. So Adam was created on the sixth day. Question, did he wake up on the sixth day? Second question, was the garden created after the seventh day or in the sixth day? Talk to me. Because if any work is done by God after the seventh day, then God broke his own law. Then God profaned his own day. Because he said he sanctified the seventh day and he rested from all his work which he had created and made. So there was no work done after the seventh day. Agreed? If you say there was work done, which work was it? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say the formation of the body of Adam, uh, the, the planting of the garden. You're all wrong. The planting of the garden, the forming of Adam's body was all done on the sixth day. That it was not mentioned in chapter 1 does not mean it did, it did not happen on that day. 
what substantiate that matter is the fact that on the seventh day, God stopped working. Because man had come alive. That means his body, the blessing, took place in the sixth day. So what about Genesis chapter 2? Aha! Genesis chapter 2 is a narration of the missing pieces in chapter 1. Because Genesis chapter 2 narrates the history. Not the aftermath or the after events of Genesis chapter 1, but the history that is included in the six days of creation. I will show you in the Bible. You see, at first when I read this thing, I thought, and this is what confused me, I thought how God, you said in, uh, in chapter 1 that you call forth the fruit tree yielding herb and seed, and you sow it, and that it was good. But then when we get to chapter 2, you say when there was no grass on the earth, you are confusing. And a doctrine was formed by Christian leaders. I once heard a man of God long ago say, when what God spoke in Genesis chapter 1 was all in the spirit, it was not manifested. But the question is, if God created the earth in, in one day and the heavens in one day before there was man, why then does he need man in order for light to show up, in order for all the firmament to show up. Because the man was born and all these things had been there. There was a garden, for goodness sake, when Adam woke up. Adam did not start tilling the ground after he fell. Because the Bible says, and the Lord God drove the man out of the garden to till the ground. But in but in, in Genesis 2, the Bible says he put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it, not to till it. So there's no need here for us to be confused. What happened in Genesis 1 happened. What happens in Genesis 2 is a narration of the events. A narration of the history of the events. So there's... There's nothing after that happens after God creates. Let me prove it to you. You will see it in, the, in, in one little detail here. See it. This is, verse 7, this is the history. This is the generations. That means what he's going to discuss from here downwards is the generations, is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So from verse 2 right up until the end of Genesis, uh, uh, the book of Genesis is history. So the history, the narration begins in verse 4. So all the events that took place, took place within the concept of the sixth day. So the body was formed on the sixth day. The God knows when the garden was planted, but it was not planted on the seventh day. That cannot be. 
This is, this is the detail. This is the generation, the history of the heavens. So the heavens have a history. And the earth, when they were created, in the day, in the, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Do you see that? He's narrating the day. From the day God created the heavens of the earth. This is the history. Before any plant of the field was in the earth. Not when he created it. In the history. Because there was a time when there was no uh, 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 plant in the field. And that was not after the fact that God spoke it into being. It was before. Because this is the history. Before any plant was in the earth. Before any herb of the field had grown. So this is the history before. So he says, For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man. You see, the word day should be, in, there, was, there was non-existent. There was no man exi So man was non-existent. So man was non-existent to till the ground. So stop there. So, what is said here juxtaposes against verse, uh, uh, I think it, it is verse 12, verse 11 and 12, right? Because it seems to imply that the reason why there was no plant and there was no herb was because there was no man and there was no rain. But the Bible tells us in the next verse that there was a mist that watered the earth. So there was no reason for the plants not to grow. Because the earth was being watered by a mist. Follow. And number two, he says, there was no man to till the ground. When Adam was made and when he woke up and became a living soul, what ground did he till? Because the Bible says the Lord God planted planted trees in the garden. It says in, in, in that garden, there was the tree of life. Now, if man has to plant the tree of life, how is he going to plant the tree of life? And in that garden, there was the tree of the knowledge of evil. So there were already trees when Adam woke up. There were already plants because God had created them. So when he woke up, God says, you will not eat of this tree of this tree. He, is that in the spirit? Because Adam did not wake up to till the ground. He only tilled the ground. Let me read it to you, beloved. Let me, let, let me read it to you. <laughs> let me read it to you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. Now, this is the first time where the introduction of tilling the ground, the mention of tilling the ground is done. So throughout Adam's lifetime, he never tilled. He never planted any tree. Listen, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to do what? To till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove him, he drove out the man and he placed the cherubim. So after the fall, and the tilling of the ground was done outside the garden, not in the garden. 
in Eden, we don't labor. We... <laughs> There was no man to till, to labor the ground, to till the ground. But Adam didn't till the ground. He did not till the ground. And it was not for that purpose that there was no herb and there was no plant. Because if it was for that purpose, that means the garden that Adam lived in would have no plant. He was the one that was going to do the planting. But the, the plants, the trees, they preceded him. Remember what God says in, to, to Abraham, I mean to Adam in, in, verse, in verse 29. He says, see, I have given you every herb that yields. So they're already herb. I have given you every herb which is on the face of the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. God says, I've already given you this thing. So he was born into it. So, beloved, don't make the mistake of thinking that Genesis chapter 2 is filling out the gaps of chapter 1. Hell no. Hell no. Yeah, it's in the spirit and then, no, 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 no. Remember, Adam was not the subject of creation. These things happened because God willed it. It was his pleasure. So he spoke and they were established and they became. Now the only time where man tills the ground is when he deviated and had fallen from the commands of God. Before he fell, the only thing he did was to tend the garden and keep it, not till it. What, what am I saying? What am I trying to communicate to God's people tonight? Is that your laboring is proof that you are living outside the garden. You are living outside the commands of God. Your toiling is the evidence of your misalignment. Your toiling is evidence that your paths are crooked. I will tell you something that will shock you. These men that followed Jesus were fishermen, had businesses, tax collectors. They were in industry before they followed Jesus. Jesus was not a CEO of a company. Jesus was not the boss of a company. Jesus left his business of carpentry when the Spirit of God came upon him and he went into the ministry and he called these men and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now they never went back to their industry after they followed Jesus. Peter said later on that, listen, we have left all. What do you mean that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom? We have left everything to follow you. So what, 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 what is, what is, what do we get to benefit? Because we have left all. That means that throughout the three and a half years, these guys were living off Jesus. These guys did not work a single day for a meal when they were following Jesus. That means everything was on Jesus to provide for them. 
This means that as long as they followed, remember, they were not doing most of the work. They were just following Jesus around, sitting, listening to his teachings. But when it was time to eat, they ate. When it was time to sleep, they had a roof over their shoulder because they were following Jesus. There were men who were toiling. And Jesus took them out of their business to follow him, but they never left. When he sent them out to preach, he said, don't take anything. Don't take any tunics. Don't take any sandals. Don't take stuff. Don't take any money back. But they were cared for because when he asked them, did you lack when I sent you out? They said no. Because you would think that even following Jesus, these men would still need to go back and do their fishing jobs. But no, they didn't. Mm. Read about John and his brother, James. The Bible says they left their father and the boats and they followed Christ. Question is, did they lack? They stopped toiling to follow Jesus. The reason why we are tilling is because we are out of the commandment. Let's read the commandment. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Not to till it. Not to till it. To tend and keep it. So there was no need for any tilling of the ground. <laughs> he was in Eden. And the Lord God, this is the condition of his stay. And the Lord God, this is how he paid God rent. This is how he paid his duties and taxes. This is how he paid his municipal rates in the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man. Saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. So whatever was in the garden was free. No tilling here. And he says that <laughs> to eat in the garden is a command. He commanded eat. It's not a suggestion. In the garden you eat. I don't know where we get this doctrine that serving God should come with going hungry and, and, and looking like we are. No, he says in the garden you eat. Of every tree in the garden you eat. And if there was a tree of life there in the garden, you can be assured that there was a tree of prosperity. You can be assured that there was a tree. It's a command. Eat. Eat. God's first command to man was to eat. 
Some people starve themselves with fasting because it's an excuse for living in poverty. They are not in the garden. In the garden, it says, of every, there's only one tree he must not eat, but every tree he must eat. So if there are 99 trees in the garden, that means you can eat there. But there's one, the, imagine nine, a, a ratio of 99 to 1. says you may eat is a command but of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day you eat so he had to pay rent in the day you eat you shall surely die in other words you there will there will be a cessation of communication between the two realms hallelujah Hallelujah. Glory. You shall freely eat. So when did Adam till the ground? He labored, he toiled. After he stopped paying rent. See, the landlord will chuck you out. If you don't pay rent, he will chuck you out. You get that from God. You don't pay the rent to remain in the garden. You will go and till the land. And that land was dry. That land was a wilderness. There, there was no, there was shrub. <laughs> there were thorns in that land outside the garden. It was arid. It was dry. That's the land man tills. That's the earth man tills. But for the man who obeys God, he'll remain in the garden, decorated by God, furnished, arranged by God. Eden. What is Eden? What is Eden? This is the first habitation of man. You know the, the word there means what? Sanctuary. Eden. Eden was God's first sanctuary in the earth. I'll touch that later on. And this was a sanctuary that he himself built. He put men there only to tend and to keep it. To protect it. It was self-regulatory. It was self-sustaining, that thing, that, that garden, self-sustaining. Bible says there were four rivers that all ran through the garden. And, and there, there was gold. Come, let's read it. Verse 10. Verse 9. And out of the Lord God, 8, 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. See, God planted the garden. His history, he's sharing history with us. And there he put the man whom he had formed. 
and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow. It was not man, it was the Lord God. These are trees that are pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, a river went out of Eden to water the garden. A river. The spirit made the army, made the wealth. Now, there's a river that went out to water the garden. It's no more rain. <laughs> it's fine. There's a river that went out of Eden to water the garden. From there, it parted into four river heads. The name of the first is Pison or Pishon. Pishon means increase. There's a reason why we are told the names and who named them. There's a reason why we are told the names. The names are a revelation. The name of the first river, I mean riverhead, was increase. It is the one which cuts the whole land of Avila where there's gold. So there is gold in Pishon. And the gold of that land is good. Bedilium. And the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. Gihon means bursting. So, Pishon is increase bursting. It's one river with four river heads. It's one river. So, it's all flowing from one. And where is this river flowing from? We know it's flowing into Eden. Where is it flowing from? I can tell you it was flowing from the throne of God. You see, the sea is a revelation. In new heaven and new earth, there's no sea. The sea refers to the incompleteness or the imperfection of creation. In the new heaven and new earth, there's no sea. There's only river. And it is one river that issues forth from the throne of God. So you can be sure that the river that was flowing, it was the river that was flowing from the throne. We'll get into those things later on. But these four riverheads produce certain things. It says there there is gold in Pishon. And Pishon, in, the name is what? Increase. Gihon means what? Besting. Then he says, it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river, you see why it's history? Because Moses could name, the name these rivers and could tell you the location of these rivers. Because he was familiar with their location. The third river is what? Hidakel. Hidakel means rapidly. It is the one which goes towards east of Assyria. The fourth river is Euphrates, which means fruitfulness. So it means increase besting rapidly unto fruitfulness. So that means 
that the prosperity of Eden, remember he says that river is good. The prosperity of Eden is what? Is increasing in nature. Secondly, it is bursting forth in character. Thirdly, when it comes, it comes rapidly. Fourth, it was what? It produces fruitfulness. So the river that runs through Eden, that waters Eden, is increasing, bursting rapidly unto fruitfulness. So this is the characteristic of the river that flows from Eden. And we know that out of his belly shall rivers of living water flow. So the river is actually the same breath that Malaygo said, the same breath that Ezekiel prophesied to. So we can see that God's first city was a city, a sanctuary of wealth, extreme wealth, extreme prosperity. The gold there was not underneath, it was on the surface. And question is, what would Adam need the gold for? What would he need the onyx stone that are there for? Let me show you. Let me show you, beloved of God. Let me show you, beloved of God. Because once you understand this, why you understand why there was gold on the surface, why there were stones and precious stones right there, once you understand this, you would understand the goal, the aim of God for your life, the will of God for your life. I want to show you. I want to show you. It, it was because these things would be used there to erect God's throne in Eden. Verse 26, Ezekiel chapter 1. Give me time, please. Give me time. Give me time. Today, time must respect me. I've been respecting it. Today, you and time must allow the word to carry out its full assignment. There, there was stone. Stones in the, the river brought forth stones and gold. I'll show you why. Verse 26. Above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne. In appearance, like a sapphire stone. And on the likeness of the throne was the likeness and the appearance of a man high above it. Can you see that? The, the throne of God is made of stones. Come with me. Revelations. Revelations. Chapter 4. Hey, hey. Glory. Revelation chapter 4. <laughs> Verse 
Are we there? Are we there? Verse 3. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardia stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. Glory to God. Verse 19. Are we there? The foundations of the wall. See why there were stones in the garden. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was Jasper. The second was Sapphire. The third, Chalicedony. The fourth, Emerald. The fifth, Onyx. The sixth, Sardius. The seventh, Chrysolite. The eighth, Beryl. The ninth, Topaz. The tenth, Chrysoprase. The eleventh, Jenkith. The twelfth, Amalethist. These twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So that was what? That was the material, the resources for a future building. In Eden. In Eden. And that was man's, the first man's first habitation. Where there was gold. He says that I might do what? Fulfill the covenant which I promised to your father. Wealth is a covenant fulfiller. Prosperity is a covenant fulfiller. That is how God fulfills his covenants. And I said to you when I started that something is going to activate in wealth tonight for you. The Spirit of God is still asking, can a millionaire, a billionaire be born in a day? But as soon as Zion travailed, she gave Travail is essential. Travail is essential for birthing forth as soon. Not when, as soon. That means whenever the word is given, you are always in a state 
of potential travail. That means you can enter into travail when a word is given. I will show you this thing. The Bible says this. The Bible says that Elijah went to speak to Ahab and he said, Surely there shall be rain, for I hear the, the sound of the abundance of rain. Go, eat and drink and whatever, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Right? And then he goes up on a hill and puts his face between his thighs and then the Bible says he travailed. Why did he travail? Because the word had been given. Remember, the word is looking for a womb. The word, when it goes forth, it goes seeking for a womb. It goes as a seed, seeking for a womb. And it is when the word is released, when you can travail. Are you listening to me? It is when the word is given, where you can travail. Remember, I told you, the word works in appointed times. So there are set times where the word must be given. So when the word is given, you can enter travail in a day and have that word fulfilled in your life. Especially when it comes to generic words and prophetic promises like wealth. Wealth is your birthright. That means when you came into Christ, you had access into wealth. But an heir, as long as he is a child, differed not from a servant, but is under governors and tutors until the time appointed by the Father. When is that time? Because creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation. So manifestation comes after travailing. So even creation is assisting us, is assisting us in travail for our manifestation because it desires to be liberated into the liberty of the sons of God. So the Spirit of God God is saying to us, when the word is given, don't wait, travail. You could have entered into wealth, into prosperity, uh, seven years ago or five years ago. The time, the chronos did not matter because in the appointment of God, the inheritance was yours because you are, you are born in Christ. Therefore, you are joined heirs with Christ. Question, is Christ enjoying riches today? Is Christ enjoying his wealth today? Is Christ enjoying prosperity today? If the answer is yes, you should also be enjoying it. But what is the problem? The problem is that you are not travailing. He ever liveth to make travail, to make intercession for us all. That means for the word in your life, the prophetic promise in your life to be fulfilled, in order for you to come into prophetic destiny, there must be travail. So what is the problem? The problem is that yes, you have received the word, but you are the baby is not kicking. Why? You are not revealing. It is you through the process of travail that you induce the birth. 
because every word comes in for oh Lord. Every word, especially words that are spoken before, not words that are pertaining to your future. Words like prosperity, these are words that are ancient in their order. That means they are already nine months full. When they come to you, they come for the purpose of what? Of manifestation. But before manifestation comes, there must be travail. Not prayer, travail. Because prayer and travail are two different things. In prayer, you are making requests. You are asking. Travailing is another thing. Travailing, you are pushing. You are in labor. You are about to release. You are about, uh, you are about to give birth. Can a nation be born in a day? What did God hear? He heard the travail. He heard the groaning. He heard the cry of Israel. And that cry ascended to him. It is travail that sparks the supernatural, that sparks the miraculous. Why am I not burning, Lord? You, listen, there's no spark. Yay, you, 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 you must travail in order for the spark to occur. How much the Spirit of God is asking you, how much do you want this baby? How much do you want this baby? As soon as Zion travailed, she gave birth. She gave birth. She gave birth. She gave. You see, when you are about to give birth, nothing matters to you. Even the husband you love does not seem to matter when you are about to give travail. Because that is the moment when, when all your energy, all your soul, all of your power, all of your strength is invested in the expression of this thing. What did Jesus say? He says, my soul, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even unto death, where does travail take place for the word to be fulfilled in the soul? Not in the spirit, because it's the spirit that seeks expression. But for that to take place, the spirit must gain the ascendancy over the soul. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Even unto death. Then he says, do what? Watch with me. Watch with me. Watch with me. That means in travail, you watch. You don't sleep. In travail, you are not busy doing other things. Your soul, your soul is engrossed in the activity of producing the word of God. I told you, I am activating someone tonight. Someone tonight is activated in prosperity, activated in wealth. Someone tonight hears what I am saying. Someone tonight is listening to me and they hear and they are saying that is what I've been waiting for. Yes, the Spirit of God is saying you have been waiting, but I've been waiting for you to travail because the word has already come. The seed has already been sown. Where are the travailers in Zion?
it is travail that manifests the word. And it is birthing time. This is your birthing season. This is your birthing season. Shavarle clira anzele stress da vivi vigle gatra ango predetna. Segle nu trondai paletrakli vibe menesaile klonkle kri ige zomfrasta laitra. Somprai katongle gritra sai valasashi plikitri ego sebebe. Savine meme meheshe. My speech was not with, ah, uh, was not to you in the cunning craftiness of man wisdom. But my speech was in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Something, beloved, where you are is being demonstrated by the spirit. Something where you are is being demonstrated in power. Yes, yes, yes. Receive power from above. Power to travail. Power to give birth. Let it come upon you, child of God. Because the power has been made available. The power is readily available for you. Receive power. And I prophesy to your womb to give birth now because the Lord has returned to you according to the time of life. Now is the time. Now is the time of life. And the Lord has returned. It is time, the Spirit of God say, to give birth. Yes, the millions, the billions, yes, the grace is born, can be born in a day, in a day. Travail, travail. Enter into travail. Enter into travail. Enter into travail. And what I promised you is yours. Is yours. Is yours. It's up to you. It can be a day or a week. It can be a week or a month. It can be a week or a year. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. It can take place tomorrow, the Spirit of God says. It can take place in the next six hours. It can take place in the next 12 hours. Yes, it can take place in the next 12 weeks, the Spirit of God is saying. You are commanded to travail. You are commanded to travail. So don't wait. Travail. 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 Your baby is on the other side of travail. What is your baby? The prophetic word of promise. Yes, the prophetic word of promise is on the other side. Your inheritance is on the other side. Travail. Travail, travail, let a cry arise. It's time, says the Spirit of God. The fullness of time, the set time for the Lord to favor Zion has come. And yes, the Lord shall make it known that he has loved the gate of Jacob. Hallelujah, glory. The gate of Zion more than the building of Jacob. And the Spirit of God is moving in your life in power, in glory. And yes, he said it to Mary, that holy thing shall be born after the Spirit is over overshadowing. Yes, the spirit, the power from on high is overshadowing you, beloved. Is overshadowing you. Yes, there's an overshadowing of the power of the spirit. Yes, there's, there's a mantling. A mantling of the spirit. A mantling of the spirit. It is taking place now. 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 Sabala Kapati. Savrando Clomatea, 
Sevelieta de Ganzo Labadai. Travail. Travail. It's yours, the Spirit of God says. All you need to do is let it out by travail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you see? That's what the Word of God been doing in your life. That's what the Word of God been trying to do in your life. To push you to travail. That's why the persecutions. That's why the trials. That's why the tribulations. So travail can be born in you. Good ground is ground that can travail. Agonize in the spirit. It's time to strive. You are activated. You see, Elijah heard it. Elijah heard the sound of the abundance of rain. He heard it. He heard a sound, but there was no rain. He heard it. That's why he sent the word. I'm telling you now, as a prophet of Almighty God, I've seen it. I have seen it. I have seen it. I've seen the abundance, the deluge of wealth and prosperity. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. And I'm telling you now to prepare, to prepare, to prepare, and to travail. And without fail, you will receive a manifestation. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. If you can, move, lift them up in the direction of, of your screen. There's no distance in the spirit realm. There's no distance between my words right now. The words that I'm speaking to you are reaching you at the very same time that I'm saying them. There's no delay. That means in the spirit, there's no delay. Truth is parallel. That means the, the power of God can be transmitted to you as though you were physically present with me. How? By my, by, by my spirit, says the Lord. Through the, through the Holy Spirit, power is present everywhere, all the time. And I want to transmit something. But because I'm not there physically, the spirit is there. It's an activation. It's an activation. 
For some, the power of God will hit you so hard, you will black out. Some, it will be like heat all over your body. For some, there will be a strong vibration of the body. It doesn't matter. Just receive that power. It's an activation. There's a dimension in you the Spirit of God is unlocking. Are you ready? Are you ready? Father, you have spoken and communicated your mind and your intentions for tonight's meeting. And you said you want to activate your children. I may not have communicated the full import of your intentions. But the power that follows this message is the proof. And right now, Holy Spirit of God, as I stretch my arms and my hands towards the camera, let the power of God enter their place. Let the power of God enter their room. Let it feel the whole house. Let it feel the whole house. And precious spirit, let it feel them. So in the name of Jesus, I stretch my hand and I release the power of God in your life right now in jesus name take the power take it touch touch that woman touch that young man touch that man in the name of jesus receive the power receive the power receive the power receive the power this is the power of the spirit this is the power to activate you in wealth yes don't be surprised that you wake up a millionaire tomorrow yes because an activation has taken place an activation has taken place an activation has taken place receive that power child of god receive it yeah, let it go through you. Let it go through you. Let it go through you. Don't resist it. Let it go through you. Receive it. Let it go. Be like the woman with the issue of blood. Be like the woman of the issue of blood. Let the power of God go through you. This is not a game. This is not a game. I'm not trying to get views or try to get fame. No, we are fulfilling a commission. This is not a game. This is not a game. Yes, we are serving the spirit and we are releasing the will of God for your life. Yes, let the crooked paths become straight, child of God. We activate it. We activate you in that dimension. Oh, yes. There's a grace for that. It's, 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 it's released. It's released. Receive it into your bosom. 
Holy Ghost. Yes. 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 That's the power of the Spirit. That's the power of the Spirit. That's the power of the Spirit of God. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Kamama vile lele gaito. Molutro tata tata ikalapaya. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boshka papa papa papa. Yeah, receive it, receive it, receive it. Receive it, receive it. Soak in it, soak in it. Let it inundate you. Let it inundate you. Woo, glow it, glow it, glow it, glow it. There's a witnessing of the Spirit of God taking place right now. With great power and great grace, did the apostles give witness of the resurrection of Jesus? It's about your destiny. It's about your life. It's about the glory of God in your life. Anta Cabragida. Ali Avranza, Clebradula, Casanjala Sobre, Temile Tronzele, Clatratiza, Vranjala, Sapratila, Kaito, Tata Brete, Catruve, Bebe, Behestratai. Electricity to flow freely, there needs to be a conduit. Allow, and a conduit for the power of God is faith. That's how you open your spirit to the spirit of God, to the power of the spirit. And the spirit of God is ministering. Yes, is ministering. It's ministering. Oh, prosper. I bless it in the name of Jesus. Be activated. And Lord, even as you have said, let it be done. 